Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Mike. Lauren. How often would you say that you see a car without a driver just cruising around San Francisco these days? I would say at least a dozen a day. Uh, I usually commute by bike and I have a three mile commute to the office and a three mile commute home. This morning I counted (laughs) because I knew we were talking Uh about this today. I didn't know you were going to ask this question, but I counted five. Okay. I counted three yesterday in about a 15 minute drive home. That's a lot. And you're probably seeing more than me because you are traveling on bike. Yeah, probably. And also, I live in a part of town where they they seem to be everywhere. And what do you think when you see them? Honestly, I don't mind them. They're very cautious. They're very polite. They don't yell at me and they're not looking at their phone. (laughs) (laughs) I feel okay about them. How do you feel? Honestly, it's a little weird, but... I hear Tracy Chapman's fast car in my head when I see them. (laughs) Like, it's almost as though I'm constructing a TikTok video as I'm driving, but I don't want to be on TikTok while I'm driving, so I'm not actually doing that. But I'm putting together this montage in my head of all of the self-driving cars that I've seen in recent history, and I just keep thinking about that song. It's weird, right? Yeah, it's. I think it's never not weird to see a car without a driver rolling down the road, but I think we're all going to have to get used to it because it is the future. I don't think that I would have had that opinion five years ago, but after sharing the roads with many cars without drivers behind the wheel, I do think we're going to have to get used to it as city people, especially here in California because of some news that's happening this week. Ooh, we should talk about that. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And I'm Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And we're joined this week by Wired staff writer Ariane Marshall, who we often bring on to talk about all things transportation, Seattle baseball, Elon Musk. Um, We're going to be talking about at least one of those things today, right, Ariane? Those are all of my interests. So hopefully we cover (laughs) some of those. Puppies, podcast microphones. I mean, really, it's quite varied. Absolutely. So Ariane, the self-driving cars, they have taken over. 
I mean, and by taking over in our small corner of the world, San Francisco, we are seeing them everywhere. But they're also in Arizona. They're expected to show up in Los Angeles soon. And they're probably going to expand a lot more from there. So first, we were hoping you would set the stage for us. Like why, after years and years of hearing about this totally driverless future, we have now seemingly arrived at this moment. Yeah. So it has definitely taken a while and much longer than the tech developers and the car companies told us that it would take. Back in 2015, 2016, they also, they were targeting like 2020, even 2019 for deployments of self-driving taxis. It's now 2023 and we're kind of sort of starting to see that happen. And I think that's just because it, it took the tech longer to develop. Um, the task of making a computer drive on roads, particularly among human drivers, is much more challenging than I think the developers expected it to be. But it seems like they're kind of getting there. And tell us about the vote that's happening this week in California. Yeah. So this week, the California Public Utilities Commission, which is the regulator that handles uh, power, water in the state, but also regulates taxis, is going to decide whether two companies, Cruise, which is a subsidiary of General Motors, and Waymo, which is an alphabet company, so a Google sister company, uh, whether they will be able to expand their paid robo-taxi service in the city of San Francisco. Um, so whether they can basically run an Uber or Lyft-like service throughout the city. So there's been a lot of uh, sort of public commentary on Twitter. Uh, there have been many, many news articles locally written about this, and I'm sure people listening in other parts of the world have read some of them. Uh, but there was a hearing earlier this week where uh, public safety officials also weighed in. What is like the general consensus and who's the most pissed off about this possible car flooding of the streets. <laughs> yeah. So this is a tricky thing that I th I think not everyone in California or San Francisco appreciates, which is that these robo-taxis are regulated by the state. And that means um, if you are a citizen of San Francisco, your local representatives don't actually have much of a say over what these companies are doing on your streets. Um, so it's a state regulator that's going to decide whether those robo-taxis can operate there. But the city folks, so the, the mayor's office, um, the police department, the fire department, have said they've seen a lot of issues with these cars on the roads. Um, they haven't, uh, you know, been running around maiming and hurting people, but um, the fire department says they've gotten in the way of a number of active fire scenes. They've run over uh, fire hoses that are spraying water, which is really dangerous. Um, and they've had trouble with them running into buses as well and streetcars. So they're telling the state regulator, can you please slow this down? But ultimately, they don't really have any power here. Hmm. And what do some of the self-driving car CEOs say is going to happen if the vote is a yes. And it seems like it is going to be a yes, right? Yeah, so it's been interesting. The controversy that San Francisco officials have kicked up has managed to actually delay this vote by about two months. So twice this has been delayed, um, which is pretty impressive for them because, again, they don't have any direct power here. They just managed to create a stink. Uh, but what the self-driving car folks say is at stake here uh, is they say that if you don't allow our companies to operate as widely to get uh, as much data in as we can, um, that will slow down the implementation 
rotation of these cars. And ultimately, that means there's going to be more road deaths because they very firmly believe that it's going to be much safer in the end to have robots drive cars than to have humans drive cars. Hmm. And the players here, we're talking about Cruise, Waymo, any other makers of vehicles right now that are on the road that stand to benefit from this vote? Yeah, so there are actually 41 companies that have permission from the California DMV to test in the state. Um, But we've seen a ton of consolidation in the industry over the past few years. So you're really only seeing a few companies out there really doing it. I'd say the two others that are testing still in San Francisco, you can't take rides in them as a member of the public is Zooks, which is owned by Amazon now, and also um, Woven Planet, which is a Toyota subsidiary. Sometimes you'll see them out and about very occasionally, but they have much less of a presence than Cruise and Waymo, which are definitely the leaders at this point. So when the vote happens this week, and it's a yes, let's assume it's a yes, what happens next? Yeah, so this will give these companies permission to operate paid services throughout the entire city of San Francisco at any time they want. Right now, Cruz has permission to operate their paid service at night, and uh, Waymo isn't operating a paid service for wider members of the public. They have a, a program where you can be on a wait list and maybe you'll get on it, uh, get off it and maybe you won't. So this will give them permission to operate Uber-like services throughout the city. Now, the companies will tell you that that doesn't mean that on Friday, if this vote goes through on Thursday, uh, that you'll suddenly see the, the city blanketed in robocars and that they'll be you know, taking over the jobs of all Uber and Lyft drivers throughout the city. They say it's, it is going to be a slow ramp up. Um, but the fact of the matter is it's it's coming. It's going to be a paid service, and it's possible that soon any member of the public will be able to sign up in San Francisco and go from A to B in a robot car. I can't wait to try it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's cool. I've, I've been in it a number of times, and I've gotten um, – because it's like – my job professionally to watch them to see if they're doing anything weird. And they definitely do weird things uh, sometimes still. Um, But I actually took my husband in one recently and he was, his mind was totally blown. And it was really interesting to see, uh, you know, a lay person, a normie as reaction to this kind of technology. It it, it is pretty cool. I, uh, I signed up for the beta for Cruise and, or I shouldn't say the beta, but I guess it's the wait list and I haven't been approved off the wait list yet. So I have not been able to try it, but Mike right. and I, I think we both have had funny stories involving them. Like Mike, you said you saw a bunch of people hotboxing one the other day. Yeah. I saw two passengers <laughs> smoking a big blunt in the back seat of a bolt as it cruised down the street. And I laughed and I pointed. I, uh, I was going to the airport at about, I don't know, 4.30 or 4.45 in the morning. Uh, it was still dark out. I had a human Uber driver and we turned the corner and the Uber driver had to stop because stalled in the middle of the street was, I honestly don't remember if it was Cruiser Waymo because it was this early in the morning. I think it was Waymo. And it was operating. Its lights were blinking. It was on, but it had just stopped. And we sat there for a few moments and driver was like, I don't know what to do. The car was stopped. It was a very American Beauty-like moment because a plastic bag was floating in front of the the autonomous car. And, and that was um, confusing it? And it was confusing it. And I have to say, like, if I just sort of removed myself from the the moment and thought, like, it's it's dark out. It, I'm a little tired. There There's no one on the streets. It's just me and this Uber driver 
in this empty street with a self-driving car just blinking, confused because of a plastic bag. And we just sat and stared at it. And then eventually my driver said, I'm just going to go around it. And I said, that makes sense. Yeah. And that was it. But it felt, it felt like a glimpse of our, our weird dystopian future. And yet I still want to ride in one. That's really beautiful. I'm actually um, really interested to see where Cruise in particular goes next, because right now, Cruise, being a GM subsidiary, they are running Chevy Bolts that are retrofitted with all of the the sensors and cameras on them. At some point in the future, the company plans to move to its own six-passenger autonomous van that it has designed called the Origin. And this thing does not have a steering wheel. You step in and it's six seats with no steering wheel. Uh, so those will eventually be replacing the passenger cars that we see. Uh, do we know at all when those are coming? They've said later this year. So soon I've seen pictures of people spotting them on the streets of San Francisco. They're definitely not in service yet, but it is happening. Ariane, will these cars be able to drive on freeways? Yes. Waymo has said that they're testing on freeways. Um, I've heard rumors that people have seen them on freeways, but it's it's unclear if there's a safety driver in the seat, whether it's actually in autonomous mode. So we don't know whether it was an autonomous mode when it was driving. But yes, that, that will happen soon. Um, right now in the city of San Francisco, they're not allowed to go on freeways. And in fact, they have to keep below a, a certain slower uh, speed. I think it's it's I think it's around 35 miles per hour, but it's it's definitely slower. But yes, I'd expect them to be on freeways soon. Hmm. What does all of this autonomy mean for larger vehicles like trucks? I remember Uber was at one point invested in a self-driving truck company, for example. And it seems like from an environmental perspective that electrifying big trucks and maybe to an extent also making them autonomous could have a large impact. But I'm wondering what stage we're actually at there. That's a great and timely question because Waymo just a few weeks ago announced that it's actually not really going to be doing as much trucking as it had intended, um, that it's going to be focused in robo-taxis. So it kind of feels like uh, trucking is sort of second fiddle at this point. There are still a number of smaller companies, not as big as Cruise, not as big as Waymo, that are still working on trucking. Um, and they're mostly focused on um, not very long haul, but kind of point to point stuff. They're mostly testing in the Southwest, in Texas, in New Mexico. Um, an interesting thing that I'm keeping my eye on for September is that the California Senate is going to vote on this bill that could actually ban autonomous trucks in the state, um, which would be really interesting because uh, the state of California is kind of the, the birthplace of autonomous vehicle technology. Um, so I think it's very possible that you could actually see autonomous trucks banned there in the near future. Wow. I imagine that long-haul truck drivers would be happy about that. Yeah, I think part of the reason that there is so much support for that California bill is because the Teamsters have been extremely active in pushing for that bill. Well, that human element of all of these autonomous cars is a really important one. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back from a quick break. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. 
To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. It's Neil. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. So in this part of the show, we wanted to talk a little bit more about the human cost of self-driving cars, what it means for human drivers, what it means for safety, and how we feel about self-driving cars flooding our streets. Yes, this is a feelings segment. There is something remarkably dystopian about it, but at the same time, looking around and seeing people driving cars while they're typing on their phones is also terrifying in its own way. And Mike, I know you've said this before when we've been chatting about it, but you feel like the future isn't necessarily EVs or autonomous vehicles, but we need to think about fewer cars in general. Uh, but first, let's talk about safety. Ariane, what do we know so far about the incident or accident rate with robo-taxis? Yeah, so not a ton. Um, these companies are required to submit um, information both to the state and now to the federal government if they get into an actual crash. And the way the federal government has been collecting that makes it kind of hard to analyze. There are like a lot of repeats in the database. Um, so it's not super clear. And the city has complained that the companies aren't required to report. Um, for example, Lauren, you talked about seeing a car stuck in the middle of the road. Um, if that car doesn't get into any kind of crash, the company isn't actually required to report that. So the city has alleged that there's a lot more of this kind of these cars freezing in the middle of the road um, kind of incidents happening than the companies have admitted so far. Um, the reason that could be a problem is if these things start running not just in the middle of the night, but in fact all day. Um, a car sitting in the middle of the road in a traffic jam could create uh, not only annoyance, but like a real safety problem when people start doing crazy things to get around them. That said, we only know of a few incidents in which people got hurt in these vehicles. Um, and it, it seems like it's possible that they're safer than human drivers, but it's really hard to, to know that for sure at this point. I have found them to be very benign. Uh, they're they're sort of too cautious to really feel dangerous. Like you can walk right up to them. Uh, I always see tourists stopping and taking pictures of them, and occasionally tourists will stand in front of them. And to be clear, these are the robo taxis with nobody in them. Like they're not carrying passengers because they're driving around the San Francisco city streets during the day. So there's nobody in the car. So these people aren't inconveniencing the passengers, but they stand in front of them to see if they'll stop. They take pictures. They are like shooting TikTok videos. Um, you know, there are cyclists that are pranking them uh, by like riding up to them really fast and then turning and seeing if they'll stop. And in almost all cases, they just kind of hang out and pause and then resume as soon as it's safe to do so. Um, in the cases like Lauren is describing, they will stop in the middle of traffic and just put their flashers on, 
if they are confused about something. Like if there's a truck that is partially blocking the road and a human driver would just roll up to it and squeeze around it, the self-driving car will get behind it and just put its flashers on because it doesn't know what to do because it won't break the law to get around a hazard. It won't cross the yellow line. It won't pull into an empty parking spot that is like marked as a red curb. You know, there's all these things that humans would do to get out of the way and to keep traffic moving that these cars won't do. And I think that's a really interesting friction point, especially when it starts happening with human beings as passengers who are paying for the ride in the car. Yeah, something I'm really interested in is how the companies begin to be a a paying service that's really kind of worth a customer's time. Uh, I think right now a lot of people are taking them or taking them for the novelty. But if you actually have to get somewhere by a specific time, sometimes the cars will avoid really busy streets. Like As you say, sometimes they'll get stuck. Um, so it, it's not a great option if you're like, uh, I don't know, you need to be at a meeting at a certain time. Um, so I think I think we're in an interesting period now where maybe that'll start to become clear. Ariane, do you have a sense of how the people who are building these cars are prioritizing what to program them for. So if the calculation is, you know, the car hits a brick wall and injures the passengers that it's carrying, or the car is cruising through a crosswalk and could hit what appears to be a child crossing the street, how does it decide? How are those decisions being made? Yeah, so I, th- this is kind of like the the trolley problem right. that people like to talk about um, with uh, self driving cars and and engineers I've talked to about the trolley problem have told me that it's really never happens that way um, that they they don't have to program it to make decisions but uh, what they have programmed it to do and and Mike is right here is that they've really programmed it to be very cautious um, if it's a little bit confused it'll stop um, and if it and to follow the law as well um, and there are some ways in which following the law can cause disruption on streets um, if you know they don't pull over all the way if they just stop in the middle of the street but something else that also happens a lot with Robo taxis is that they um, do full stops at stop signs and people aren't used to that and they often get rear-ended actually if you look at the back of cruises Robo taxis it might say this on windows as well they'll say may stop suddenly and that's because um, they are you know doing they're like a student driver trying to pass <laughs> their test um, and they're doing those full stops and humans aren't sometimes prepared for that style of driving so it's something that everyone on the street is going to have to get used to so you're saying it's not much better than driving around teenagers who are Snapchatting and TikToking as they're driving? <laughs> oh, uh, no, like a teenager's like really <laughs> nervous and like gripping the wheel and like trying to follow all the laws really well, um, but is not very confident. This warms my Maybe heart. Maybe that is better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is so much better. It is so much better. Because the thing that makes cars dangerous on the road is their unpredictability, right? Like, is this person going to stop at the stop sign? Maybe. Is this person going to pull over right in front of me in the bike lane and hit their brakes? Maybe. A robotaxi is not going to do those things because it's far too cautious and it's far too law-abiding to do those things. So in a sense, it is much more predictable, which makes it safer, I think. 
Yeah, and what you're saying, Mike, I, I think that is a really interesting kind of coalition pe- of people who are backing um, robo-taxis who um, might in other circ- circumstances be anti-car. They want to see more um, biking. They want to see more transit in cities. But if you're going to have cars in cities, which it seems like we will for the, for the kind of medium to long term, um, maybe they are better being robots. Maybe that's safer for everyone. Ariane, have you talked to any people who are like driving for Uber or Lyft now about how they feel about all of their uh, uh, co-workers who are suddenly going to be on the road if this vote goes through this week? Yes, definitely. So we have, um, my colleague Caitlin Harrington and I have taken some time to talk to a number of Uber and Lyft drivers in San Francisco. Um we began talking to them because our thesis was like, these are the people on the road all the time, and they're going to know how these robo taxis are behaving on the road. Uh, but also, we ended up talking to them about uh, just kind of their feelings about the technology. And it's it's really mixed. Um, some people we talked to were uh, kind of in awe, like thought it was awesome. Um, some people had had some like slightly squirrely um, situations with them on the road where they got, no one had been hit, but had gotten worried that they would be hit, um, felt like they had to take evasive maneuvers to to uh, dodge the vehicles. But one thing that really came through in all of our conversations is that most drivers weren't that worried about these things putting them out of a job because uh, they don't think the technology is really going to be ready to really compete with Uber and Lyft for like another five to 10 years. Do you think that's true? I don't know. I don't know. I I really don't know. Um, I think it could be true. I think it could also be another three years. The, The other thing that came up with Uber and Lyft drivers that also says a lot about Uber and Lyft is we heard a lot of people say, hey, take my job because I'm not paid well. These companies don't pay me. Uh, These companies don't respect me. Um, So like, whatever, have at it, (laughs) have at it, robots. Wow. That's fascinating. So what cities are they set to come to next? And I'm curious, do we have a sense of how a metro area's current transportation system sort of informs how receptive people are to these? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I'll, 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 to your first question, um, Cruz announced this week it's going to be coming to Atlanta now. And so that makes the full list of cruise cities, um, Austin, Dallas, Houston, Phoenix, Miami, Nashville, Um, We know also that Waymo is going to be coming to Austin and is already testing in Los Angeles as well. Um, You'll notice all those cities are places without snow. That Mm. is not an accident. Um, These cars don't necessarily handle extreme weather well at this point. Um, In terms of how receptive cities are to these to these services, something that's come up in conversations. I've been talking to a number of community groups in San Francisco that have come out in support of these cars. And a lot of them are uh, groups that deal with folks with disabilities. Um, something that they all say is that these companies haven't necessarily yet provided a car that is easy to use for people with wheelchairs. Um, it is working on things for people who are blind and who are deaf, but it doesn't seem like the technology is perfect 
for people with accessibility issues. But what they do say is that the transportation status quo in San Francisco is absolutely broken for people with disabilities and that they are willing to bet on a new horse who they think are talking to them, who they think are listening to them more than what they have right now. Um, so I, I think failing public transit and particularly failing public transit for um, underserved communities can really soften a city up for robo taxi service. This is all really fascinating. And it does feel like we are veering. Is that a really bad pun? We are veering into this future rather quickly. It's only a bad pun if you stop and ask if it's a bad pun. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take another quick break and then we'll come back with our recommendations. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. All right, Ariane, what is your recommendation this week for our Gadget Lab listeners? Okay, this is such a millennial thing, and it's a life hack that I'm very late to, which is just in the past few weeks, I've been really proactive about calling and emailing companies for whom I have questions. Um, for example, I was having trouble buying tickets for a sports game, so I reached out to their contact, and he helped me buy tickets that like weren't available on the website. And then I was trying to buy a planner um, that they said they were out of stock on the website, so I emailed them, and they were like, oh, we actually have one slightly damaged one that we can <laughs> give you at a discount. And I was like, that would be great. Um, so it turns out if you like contact humans, sometimes they will help you. So that is my recommendation for this week is like, if, if you see something and you don't think you can get it through the internet, just call the company and they might make it easier for you. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. I had, I had a similar experience recently that did not result in me getting the thing that I want, but it was a favorite bra that the bra company no longer makes and it really bummed it bummed me out. Yes, it is devastating. And I've been scouring like Poshmark and eBay. I'm like, someone must want to get rid of this bra. And uh, so I emailed, I emailed the company and I was like, are you ever, could you please make this bra? <laughs> please make it again, reintroduce it. And they responded and they had a couple other suggestions and they said, we're not gonna reintroduce that bra to the lineup. But like, I, I heard from a human who heard me and I was like, thank you. Thank you for responding. And sometimes they'll be like, here are 10 bucks for you. <laughs> I didn't get that. I would just like to see the bra made again. But yeah, <laughs> but no, that's really great. You're, uh, you're, what, 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 how would you, how would you categorize this recommendation? It's, it's proactiveness. It's human to human yeah. connection. Yes. Advocating for yourself via human customer service lines. I say get in as much of this as you can now before all of those humans are replaced by large language models. <laughs> womp yeah. womp. Mike, what's the last time you contacted customer service? 
I can't even really remember. Well, maybe that's I don't, a problem. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. <laughs> I tend to just move on. <laughs> oh no, that's not true. I do when I'm going to a venue and I want to know what time I should show up. I call the box office and I say, "Could you tell me what the set times are tonight?" And they tell me, and then I know when the band that I want to see is going on, and then I can plan my evening around that, which is very helpful. That is so 1990s. I love it. Well, then you're gonna love my actual recommendation. <laughs> Ooh, what's your recommendation? <laughs> comedy albums comedy albums so when i was growing up i had all of these lps and cassettes and cds that were my favorite comedians doing their comedy routines and you know usually filmed in front of a live comedy club audience and they were great and i love all of them and there are several out there maybe a dozen where i know almost every word and somehow in the streaming era I had just like forgotten that they existed. And I've been listening to podcasts and audiobooks and playlists and albums on streaming. And like last week I was like, oh, I really want to hear this comedy album. I wonder if it's on streaming. And it is. And they all are. And I'm saying that if you are suffering from some sort of podcast burnout and like you just can't listen to another Smartless episode and you want some <laughs> funny in your ears, the thing to do is to queue up an excellent comedy album by one of your favorite comics and listen to it because it's probably stuff that you haven't heard them do and it's delightful and it's a lot of fun and it's a great way to to fill those like 20 30 minute what do i listen to parts of your day that's pretty great what's your favorite one well that's a very difficult question to answer but i can list some of my favorites okay tell us <laughs> tell the people i would say for the classic era uh steve martin who we all know and love, uh, had some really great albums in the 70s. Comedy is Not Pretty, Let's Get Small, Wild and Crazy Guy. Those are all great. They're all like PG, PG-13. Uh, of the modern era, uh, Hannibal Burris has a couple that are great. Ron Funchies uh, has one that's out there. Uh, Dave Attell has a really good one from about 20 years ago, which I will not name. Um, Mitch Hedberg, big shout out mm. to Mitch Hedberg. Strategic Grill Locations is one of the best comedy albums ever made. Um, I realize those are all men and I apologize, but um, that's just like the way it was when I was growing up. All of the comics that you listened to were dudes. So, um, yeah, it's it's just what I've been doing lately on my commute when I need to listen to something and I'm, I'm feeling lighthearted and I just can't handle news and I can't handle celebrity podcasts anymore. Do you feel like something is lacking because you're not seeing the visuals too? No. That's great. Uh, yeah, these are recorded to be albums, right? So oh, they're okay. They weren't stand-ups. Oh no, they are. So, they're they are oh. stand-up routines. But I think if there was a joke that was especially visual, maybe they didn't include it. Got it, got it. Yeah. Including gestures and whatnot. It still works. I, I hear I hear what you're asking. I can tell you it still works. Like the comedy still works. The it's still I I'm that weirdo who's walking down the street giggling to myself <laughs> at 7:30 in the morning as the the, the robo taxi zips by me. <laughs> nice. What's your recommendation, Lauren? My recommendation is a crossover. Some of you might know I have another podcast at Wired as well. It's called Have a Nice Future. I co-host it with our editor-in-chief, Gideon Litchfield. And this week, we interviewed the artist C, who I think is better known as Grimes. Uh, Grimes is also our cover story 
for the September issue of Wired. Our colleague Stephen Levy did a really fantastic long Q&A with her in the magazine. So you'll want to check that out. That's also available online. But C agreed to sit for a pretty long podcast taping with me and Gideon. And it's a wide-ranging, fun conversation, largely about generative AI, because that's an area that C has been exploring and not running away from. She has basically, she's created a platform where she has said to people with musical aspirations, you can have my voice, you can, you know, take this and generate your own music with it. Um, and that's a very different approach, I think, than some of the other artists and labels out there who are exploring AI right now are taking. And um, she's got a lot of interesting ideas about education. She wants to go to Mars. She wants to die on Mars. She has, uh, I think, been transformed by her experience as a parent, which she talks about. She is, of course, famously co-parenting with Elon Musk. Uh, she had some interesting thoughts to share on the future of men and masculinity. Like I said, a wide-ranging conversation that is in our feed right now for Have a Nice Future. So if you're looking to listen to another Wired podcast, if you're not totally tired of my voice, you can go check that out. And listen, to, <laughs> listen to Grimes's voice. That's what matters. <laughs> nice. All right. That's our show for this week. Ariane Marshall, thanks as always for joining us. It's such a pleasure having you on the show. And thanks for uh, driving the conversation. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. We also do read your reviews. And I just wanted to give a little shout out of appreciation to our reviewer from a few weeks ago who um, le left us a critical comment. And um, and there was a grammatical error. And um, they went back and corrected it. They changed it to who. I really appreciate you. Thank after you for you, doing that. After you made fun of them. Well, you know what? I, I like to develop a dialogue here with our fans. <laughs> so... Uh, we really do read our, our reviews. We're grownups here. We can take it. So um, we want to hear your feedback. And thank you. Our producer is the excellent Boone Ashworth. Goodbye for now. We'll be back next week. I'm Reid Hoffman. And I'm Aria Finger. If you're interested in learning about how technology and humanity can come together to make a better future, then possible is for you. We invite ambitious builders and deep thinkers like Trevor Noah, Kara Swisher, Sam Altman, and so many more. Help us sketch out the brightest version of the future and what it will take to get there. If you want to be part of the future today, then subscribe to Possible wherever you listen to podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From Pete.